We are closing out the creed, and we're going to preach on the amen. The amen in the creed is on when we look at the creed. All of it was put there for a very specific purpose. And the creed, the Apostles' Creed, is the oldest Christian creed that we have. And it ties us in. with We are part of the church. It's been saying this and repeating this together and confessing this for thousands of years if we believe these things. But before we look at, so we look at the amen, let me start off with something goofy. There was an old circuit riding preacher who was uh, back in the day when they had circuit riding preachers and he had a horse that um, he taught to go and stop by saying to go, he would say, praise the Lord. And to stop, he would say, amen. And so he traveled around with this thing and for it to, get to, to, to go, he'd say, praise the Lord, to stop. Uh, he'd say, amen. So he sold it to this guy. He was, he was retiring, so he sold it to the guy, and the guy, now the guy said, this is a Christian horse. Uh, to get this horse to go, you have to say, praise the Lord. To get this go- horse to stop, you have to say, amen. The guy's like, I got it, no problem. So he gets on the horse, he starts trotting along the way, and as he's going, he's, he's saying, he sa- gets on the horse, and he says, uh, praise the Lord. The horse takes off. Having a good time riding the horse, the horse starts to kind of gallop, and all of a sudden, a, a rattlesnake spooks him, and the horse just shoots off. Uh, flying as fast as he goes. It freaks the guy out. He's, he's, he's screaming, whoa, whoa, and the horse won't do nothing. He's saying, halt, the horse does nothing. And all of a sudden he looks up and he sees there's a cliff coming, and he is in a panic. He's just screaming, whoa, whoa, halt, halt, and finally it dawns on him, and he says, amen, and the horse stops right on the edge. The guy takes a deep breath, looks up, and he says, praise the Lord. Thank you for that response. Uh, I love that story. Um, but that is what we're going to look at. Amen. For often we look at it and think of it, amen is just the stop. You know, for a lot of people, the amen is just at the end of the service. Some of you amen the amen. Is he done yet? Amen. Uh, let's go. Or amen is the end of a prayer. So let's eat. It's time to eat now. They said the amen. We can eat. Amen in our time is can come to be associated with the end, the end of a prayer, the end of a ser- service. It's over. But that's not the proper definition of amen. And we're going to look at what the Bible has to say. The word amen in Scripture is in there over a hundred times, multiple times. Jesus said it more than anybody else. But First Corinthians chapter 14, Paul's talking to this church that he helped start, this Greek church who is... He's teaching, and he says this to them. I'm going to start in verse 6, even though I think Eric only has verse 13 on the screen. But I'm going to read a little bit more. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 6 says, Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? If even lifeless instruments, such as the flute or the harp, do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves. If with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking in the air. There are doubtless many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker a foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. 
For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. This is the key. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Very interesting passage. Paul is not putting down tongues in this passage, but he is saying when you speak in the church, it should be when you pray in the church, it should be for the edification of the church so the church can say amen with you. We often think of the amen and even in the creed, even in our prayer, in our culture, as the end, something that's done. But the amen is not the period. The amen is not the period even in the Apostles' Creed. It's not the period in Scripture. Amen is not the period. So what is the point of the amen? This word that is all over Scripture is very common. We all know it. Amen is an absolute universal word. You can travel almost any place around the world and people will say amen. Believers will. Even unbelievers use the word amen. It's a universal word. On Wednesday nights, Domingo and Griselda Rodriguez will be here, and I sometimes will ask uh, Griselda to pray. They're, they're in Mexico for a few weeks this summer, and I ask, I'll ask Griselda to pray in Spanish for us. And just because I think it's great as we hear a different language to know that God can hear all languages, he understands everything. And so Griselda will pray on Wednesday nights in Spanish, and the first time she did it, I thought, well, how am I going to know um, when she's done? I had forgotten that everybody uses amen, but she prays wonderfully in Spanish, and then I don't understand anything she says, maybe Jesus, uh, Cristo at one point, but then she will say, amen. It's a universal word wherever you go around the world. Amen is actually a Hebrew word that was transliterated into Greek. And so what they did was they took the Hebrew word, which was the Old Testament was written in, and when they translated it into Greek, they just used Greek words that made the sound of amen. In Hebrew, it's aman. And so they just took Greek words to make it amen, and then they translated into English, or to Latin, into English, and it's been translated and stayed that way all across the world. Why did God do that? Why did he take this one Hebrew word, have them translate it into, just transliterate it, and now it's used all around the world in such a big deal that Paul even says, talks about the importance of it in 1 Corinthians 14. Amen is not the period. Amen means, in Hebrew, to support or even believe. But the first time it's used is in Genesis chapter 3 when Abraham says he believes God. That's the Iman of Hebrew. It means to support, to, to be loyal, to be certain, to place your faith in. It means yes, or even so, or truly, or may it be so. That's what amen means. It's just been carried on all the way through the Old Testament. The Old Testament, the congregation of the Old Testament people, when they got together, they would respond to the amen. In Deuteronomy 27, 15 through 26, it talks about all these curses that will happen to people. In Deuteronomy 27, if, if you don't follow 
God. And, they, and the people hear the curse that God extends, and they say, Amen to it. Verse 16, Cursed be anyone who dishonors his mother or his father, and all the people shall say, Amen. And the people said, Amen. So that's how they would respond. I heard that, and yes, let that be true. Yes, let that be true. So they would do it with curses, and they would also do it with blessings. In Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 5 and 6, Ezra has read the word of God, and he says, He says this in Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 5 and 6. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And he opened it, all the people stood, and Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And so it was used in the Old Testament as acknowledgement of, yes, that's the curse, we believe that to be true, and the blessings of God and his word, amen. And amen, they would emphasize it. In Psalms, sometimes you could find it saying amen and amen. The book of Psalms is divided up into different books in the Psalms. And at the end of each little section of the Psalms, it always ends with, in that section, amen, 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 amen. It's not the period. Amen is not... The period, but amen in the New Testament was used by Jesus more than anyone. And Paul finished many of his books this way. Whenever he would start to praise God at the end of his epistles and start to praise and lift up God, he would, he would end it with this amen, yes, yes, truly, truly, I believe that's true, just like the creed. The amen matters. It says that in 1 Corinthians 14. What is going on in 1 Corinthians 14, that this would be such a big deal. But it's a big deal to Paul. These people at Corinth, they weren't Hebrew people. They didn't grow up speaking Hebrew. And so somehow, all of a sudden, as we're reading 1 Corinthians 14, he's talking about how the church should operate, how people should function in the church. And he brings up this idea of of tongues and how you need to speak the tongues and people need to understand it, the proper way to do it. And he says, listen... Again in verse 16, if, if people don't understand how you're worshiping God together in the congregation, it's really of no use. It's not good. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider, someone sitting next to you in church, if they don't know what you're talking about, how can they say amen? Why would Paul drag that word from the Hebrew into this Greek church in Corinth and make such a big deal? about it because the it it matters he's saying listen we amen matters for some reason this is a word that god has said i'm going to use for all of time all of eternity to worship me the amen matters because paul says in second corinthians 1 20 that the amen is a person flip over to second corinthians chapter 1 Verse 20, Paul wrote his, he spent 18 months with the church at Corinth, struggling, trying to teach them how to operate and worship as a church. They really messed up. And so he wrote them another letter, kind of just saying, hey, get it together. Here's what you need to do to straighten out. And so then he writes what we have, 2 Corinthians, which is actually the third letter that he wrote to them. 
And there's been all kinds of problems in this church, all kinds of struggles that these people have gone through. And now they're all ticked off because Paul said, hey, I'm going to come at this point. And then his plans got changed and his plans got changed. And so he's trying, he's defending himself to them, saying, I'm not just telling you I'll show up one time and then not come because I have nothing else to do. And so that's what he's doing in the first chapter of chapter 1. But verse 20 says this. I'll start with verse 19. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, Salvanius and Timothy and I, they all preached the gospel to him, all three of them, was not yes and no, but in him it is always yes. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. What Paul's saying is the amen is found in Jesus. The amen, it's saying, yes, I believe, yes, this is true. All the promises of God are found, have found their yes in Jesus. Which means the promises of God are true. That's what he's saying. The, the Old Testament people, God promised them that he'd send them a Messiah, but it seemed to take a very long time. But when Jesus came, that was the proof that when God makes a promise to you, that he will fulfill his promise. So we can look at scripture, and because of Jesus, we can say, yes, because of Jesus, every promise of God will be true, and amen to that, yes to that. That's what Paul is saying. He's saying amen is the person. It's found in Jesus Christ. In Revelations 3.14, it says, and to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write this. It says, writes the words of the amen. Jesus uses the name amen for himself because all the promises of God are found true in him. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. The amen's a person. The amen is Jesus, is what he says. That's his title because all God's promises. If you want to know that God is true, just look to Jesus. Every promise that he says in the Old Testament, you say, it doesn't feel like that in my life. But look to Jesus. But because Jesus came, because he was the promised Messiah, that means God is faithful to his word. And he will be faithful to you in his word. So the amen matters because he is about the promises of God. It's saying, yes, I agree, I believe. God's faithful, and amen is a person. It's Jesus Christ. Jesus used that as the title for himself. In Isaiah, God uses it as the title for his self. The God who is true is how it's translated in most English Bibles. But it, what it means in Hebrew, it's the God of the Aman, the God who is the Aman. Amen is a person, so that's why it matters. It's not the period. And amen is also how we bring praise to God. This is how we, we do it. It says it all over there in Revelations chapter 7. It says, Behold, he is coming. Paul, John, right in the book of Revelation, just right at the beginning, it says, Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all tribes of the earth will wail and account of him, even so. And John, as he's writing this, he's all of a sudden he just stops and says, Yes, that's true. Yes, let that be true. I believe. And he just starts he's celebrating what he just got done writing. It's how we praise God. In Revelation chapter 5, we will use the word amen for all of eternity. Revelation chapter 5, verses 
13 through 14 says, And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and, that, and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. It's how we praise God when we use Amen. In Revelations 22, verses 20 and 21 says, He who testifies to these things, saying, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. That's not the period of the Bible. It's a yes. All the things that gods are going to do, it's true. Yes, let it be true. Let it be true in my life when we say the amen. The early church got this. When the Apostles' Creed was fully put together, it was in the 4th century. And St. Jerome said this of the church in the 4th century. He described the fervor of 4th century Christians in Rome saying this. He says, their amen sounds so loudly like spiritual thunder, as to shake the temples of the idols. The early church got it. When they saw Jesus for who he was, their hearts confessed, Amen, yes, that's what I need. Our area needs the hearts of its idols shaken, doesn't it? We say that together and we emphasize by saying, Yes, let that be true. In Samanach, Sandwich, Plano, Yorkville, Hinkley, Amen, Lord Jesus. We need to say that. Amen is not the period. So if amen is not the period, what is it? Amen is not the period. It's the point. It's the point of everything the Bible says. So what should we do with that? If Jesus says he is the amen, and we believe that the amen is not the period, the Apostles' Creed, when they said amen, they're saying yes to all these things. This is what we believe. This is what transformed our lives. This is what will transform the world. This is what we need. And they said amen. Yes, let it be so. Let it be true. Amen is not the period. It's the point. So what should we say about the amen? What should we practically do with it? I'll just give you a couple of things I think for our congregation, particularly, we can do with the amen. The first thing I would say is accept the amen. The amen is Jesus Christ. If you look and have looked for the last 13 weeks and heard the Apostles' Creed of who Jesus is, who God is, who the Holy Spirit is, the forgiveness of sins, and your heart has not been warmed in some way where you say, yes. That's what I want. That's what I believe. And your biggest need right now is not to learn how to say amen. It's to know the amen. It's to see that Jesus loves you. He came for you. He rescued you. So all the things in the Apostles' Creed could be true. If you don't know Jesus, you can repeat the Apostles' Creed a thousand times every single day for the rest of your life, and it's not going to do you any good. The Apostles' Creed is a confession of people who believe Jesus, who are surrendering their life to Jesus, who are following Jesus, who say, let that be true of me. I want to know Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, if you haven't confessed your sin, asked him to come into your life and rescue you, you can repeat the creed, and it's doing you nothing. 
So I would say, first of all, if that's you, accept Jesus, who's the amen of the creed. And then for those of you who have accepted the creed in sanctification, we need Jesus every day. Last night I was laying in the bed thinking about this, and I was thinking about our church. And I'm trying to think, just this week, the pain that some of you are going through and have been living through, thinking, what can I say every Sunday that's going to help people? This person's going through this. This person's going through this. This person's going through this. And the only thing we can say every Sunday is Jesus is the only answer to all those things for us. He is the great I am. Look to Jesus. Hold on to the promises of God. Even when they don't feel they're there, all the promises of God are true in Jesus. So if you're struggling, you know, I don't believe it's really true. I don't feel it right now. My situation's tough. This this family situation, this job situation, it's tough. I don't know if I believe God's really there for me. It doesn't feel like God's there for me right now. It feels like God's very distant from me. I would say to you, hold on to the amen. Accept the amen that Jesus' promises are true. He is faithful to his word. So whatever he has promised you in his word, in every psalm you've ever read, it's all true because Jesus is true. Jesus is the guarantee for us that what God says is true. Because of Jesus, we can wait We can endure, and we can go through suffering before that. So accept the amen. Hold on to the promises of the amen. And the second thing I would say, if it's not the period, it's the point. We need to acknowledge the amen in in, in corporateness as a church. We need to do it in corporate prayer. We need to do it in corporate worship. A couple weeks ago, I was over at the Moody Pastors Conference, and it was... It was downtown Chicago. About a thousand pastors were there. It was a nice mix of uh, white guys and African American guys. And so I'm up in the balcony, found my spot every day. So I had a whole bunch of guys around me, and they had this uh, great um, African American pastor from Florida get up to speak one one service. And so they know how to say amen um, in that culture. They're a little more free than us. And so they would get up there, and as, as he was started to go, um, they had a couple of guys behind me. And, I mean, he stood up there. He opened his Bible in the front. And they got, mm-hmm. You know, they, and then he, he said, it's, it's good to be here. Yeah, preach that. You know, and literally he kept going. And so, so much so that I started writing down every other sentence, how they would respond to this guy in preaching. They, he, they, he started going. He said, go ahead now. Mm-hmm. Preach. And amen. That's right. Yes. Make it true. That's right. And so I couldn't, I couldn't keep up. He'd say, well, did that to distract you? didn't distract me at all. It did not distract me at all because it was not obnoxious. What it did for me was it made me say, yes, I'm not the only one who needs the gospel. I'm not the only one who's responding to that because I feel that in my heart and he's saying it. So I kind of mustered out my, amen. You know, and I tried the best I could, but I couldn't keep up. So I just stopped and listened to them. But it didn't, it didn't distract me at all. It encouraged me. You know, we respond sometimes more to hairstyles in our church 
than sometimes we do to the Holy Spirit work in our church. I mean, I've seen people come into church with a new hairstyle, and we all amen it, you know? Yes, that looks good. Yeah, that looks right. I like that. That's all amen. It's an agreement. That looks good on you. Yes, that's nice, you know? Welcome to the 90s. Uh, you know, we've been hoping that you would change it for, for 10 years. Amen to that. We like your new hairstyle. But sometimes... When the work of what God's doing in us, when you feel that, for some reason when we're gathered, we feel like, mm, I'll just keep that to myself. And that's what Paul's against in 1 Corinthians 14. He's saying that's why you don't speak in tongues without it not being interpreted because it's supposed to be helpful to the church so that other people can hear what's going on in your heart and they can agree with you and say yes to that Amen. And so when we pray as a church, I'm just kind of encouraging you because Harriet's not here anymore. Harriet, a few years ago, when I was Nielsen, when I was encouraging the church to let's be a little more free in our expression of worship, she came up to me after one time and said, uh, hey, Paul, if you, need to get me, if you need me to come up and dance a jig, I'll do it for you. She was 91, I think, at the time. We need to be free. If we can do this kind of worship, when someone prays in our church, and it happens on Wednesday nights, and it needs to can happen more sometimes. But when someone prays, and at that end, when they say amen, what they are saying is because of Jesus, what I'm praying, I believe will be true. Because Jesus' promises are all true, and all the truth is found in Jesus. So when we pray, and when someone's praying, we can pray along with them. And say amen to that. Do that in my family too. Yes, that's what I want to see. Do that for them. Yes, Lord. I mean, even if you can't say it loud, we are not called to be obnoxious. But we are called to be obvious. You're not called to be obnoxious at work, but you are called to be obvious as a Christian. Some of you maybe should go to work. And if you have a Christian friend or somebody who's not a Christian but you've worked there a long time, just ask them, hey, am I a Christian? Do I act like a Christian here at work? Would you, do I, am I different from anybody here at the work? We're not, we're not called to be obnoxious. But if you are a Christian at work and nobody knows that you're a Christian, there's something wrong with that. It should be obvious that you are a Christian. So I'm not talking about being obnoxious when we say amen in our church. But what I'm saying when we pray, we're saying, yes, God, do that in that person's life. Yes, do it. we're in agreement with them. Yes, do that in my family. Do that in my marriage. Do that in my situation. Yes, amen. Mm-hmm, that's right. It's okay to do that. Good, Paul says. This is the word that we are called to do. It's good when we do it in worship, in a song, after, after a word or a scripture. Just say, it's okay to say, amen. It's not good. It is not good to have your heart warmed by the Holy Spirit and just keep it to yourself. And I am not at all looking for some tip. If I say amen here, Paul's going to think he's doing okay. That's not what we're talking about here. We are talking. Don't do it for that reason. But I know that there are times where the Holy Spirit, through his word, touches you. And you feel that. It's good for you and it's good for the church to hear you say amen. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. And you have to say it quietly. Say it loud, that's great. It's good for us to do that. We are called to worship. That's what Paul is saying. The amen is not the period of our worship. The amen is the point of our 
worship. It's how we hold on to the promises and say, yes, because of Jesus, because of what you did for me. I'm, I'm a guilty, worthless sinner, but you still love me enough to rescue me. So what I'm going through now, if you did that for me, Jesus, if you died on the cross for me, and you love me that much, then what I am going through now, I'm going to just hold on to you. It may not feel you're with me right now, but I'm going to hold on to you because I know you will never leave me nor forsake me. So amen, Jesus, let that be true in my life right now, even if I don't feel it. That's what we're called to do. The world gets this, church. I was at this conference, and I had a free afternoon down in Chicago, and so I walked down State Street where the Chicago um, Theater is, and ABC News, and ESPN Radio, and they have a big window outside ESPN Radio, and I'm walking past there, and there's like 30, 20-some-year-old guys. I mean, literally, they're all 20 hipsters, you know, and hanging out there um, at the window by the ESPN window, and I couldn't figure out what's going on. So I looked in the window and stopped, and there's Brandon Marshall, uh, the Chicago Bears, sitting in there talking to Tommy Waddle and Sylvie. And these guys, I mean, there's a little, they can hear it on the, out, coming out on the radio on the street, and they can hear the, the, the microphone, you know, and, and Brandon Marshall does not care about them one bit. And he's talking to Tommy Waddle and Sylvia, and these guys on the street of Chicago, with nobody else is looking around, I mean, there's drool hanging out of their mouth, you know, and they are just, I took a picture of them, they were just glued to the window, and Brandon Marshall would say something, they'd say, mm, that's right, you know, and yeah, and they're clapping on the streets of Chicago, listen to Brandon Marshall, yes, <laughs> and they look at each other, slap each other, high five, all of them in their 20s worshiping Brandon Marshall publicly without any fear in downtown Chicago, giving him all kinds of amens. Yes, that's right, Brandon. Yes, amen. I believe. Yes, yes. But then we gather as the church, and we hear about the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and we may like it, but we don't want to express it. And Paul says as a church, that's not healthy. That's not good. When we speak and when we hear about Jesus, we should do the same. When we say the Apostles' Creed, every line in the Creed was written out of passion and turmoil. And they said, as we fought, as we, as we went through history, we need to have this in because this is true what Christians believe. This is what Jesus did. This is who the Holy Spirit is. This is true and yes and amen. And we need to be free to express it and to say it. 